This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The following episode contains discussions of cannibalism, sexual harassment, and the mistreatment of children, which some people may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised, especially for children under 13. It's Christmas night. Snow swirls outside in the quiet suburb, too thick to see through. It is an almost ideal Christmas image, except those caught within it are far from comforted. In fact, the family huddled inside is terrified. Some of their children have disappeared into the night. The electricity is down. This is not a normal Christmas Eve. There is something supernatural about it. The oldest member of the Engel family, Omi, tells her brood why their Christmas is full of horror. A demon has been summoned to punish them all for not treating the holiday with its proper respect. A demon named Krampus. Throughout the night, the family is hunted by Krampus's minions, which manifest as horrifying holiday-themed monsters, including an enormous jack-in-the-box, a Christmas angel, and a small army of fiendish gingerbread men. Finally, Krampus himself emerges from the fireplace. He is a hulking monster hiding behind a Father Christmas mask and a red cloak. He has goat's feet and two massive ram horns that curl over his head. He gives the only surviving member of the Ingle family a rusted sleigh bell with his name inscribed on it, a reminder of what happens when hope is lost, when belief is forgotten, and the Christmas spirit dies. This is a description of the 2015 Universal Studios feature film, Krampus. To date, it is the highest profile depiction of the Germanic holiday monster. It's a pity that the film is an almost completely inaccurate representation of the twisted legend that inspired it. One that is even more disturbing than Hollywood would have you believe. Welcome to The Dark Side Of, a ParCast original. 
a show where we will delve into the seedy underbelly of pop culture icons and historical events. We aim to expose the ugly truth behind cultural moments and public figures we hold most dear, proving that there is always more to the story than meets the eye. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm Kate. This is our 12th episode on the dark side of holidays. The holiday season may be seen as a time of celebration for many, but its saccharine exterior conceals many unpleasant truths. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream The Dark Side Of for free on Spotify, just open the app and type The Dark Side Of in the search bar. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. Christmas is two days from now, which makes this the perfect time for us to revisit one of the strangest and most popular pagan characters, the goat-like demon known as Krampus. Referred to in Michael Doherty's 2015 film as The Shadow of St. Nicholas, Krampus embodies the dark, unspoken truth of the year's most cheerful holiday. The children will only be rewarded with candy and treats if they are good. Otherwise, they will be punished. And it is Krampus who does the punishing. Who is Krampus? And where does this punitive Christmas spirit come from? For centuries, he was a local legend, one seasonal variation in a long line of European folklore characters known as Kinderschreck figur. This literally means child terror figure. These sorts of figures exist to frighten children into doing their chores, saying their prayers, and making sure they behave themselves. They are an almost demonic manifestation of a very old-school style of parenting, eliciting good behavior through fear rather than rewards. But Krampus isn't just a creature of the past. In the 2000s, and especially in the 2010s, his popularity spread from the Germanic countries where he originates across the Atlantic to the USA. The post-2000s interest in Krampus, particularly in the United States, seems to indicate a desire for some kind of holiday myth that counterbalances the story of Santa Claus. This desire is evident in a number of dark holiday movies intended to subvert or recontextualize the story of Santa Claus. Films such as Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Saint Nick, and Santa's sleigh, all posited versions of Santa Claus where the normally kindly saint is transformed into a murderous villain. In this context, revisiting a punitive Christmas monster makes perfect sense. Krampus appeared in a popular fantasy book called Krampus the Yule Lord in 2012, and in 2013 he was featured in episodes of NBC's Grimm, the sci-fi show Lost Girl, and a series of direct-to-video films. 
However, depictions of Krampus in popular culture tend to only vaguely resemble the original folklore and, like other dark Santa media, tend more towards negative versions of the more familiar story of Santa Claus. The 2015 Hollywood film Krampus was particularly emblematic of this trend. Krampus is an evil presence who rides in a sleigh, sneaks down the chimney, and kills those who do not believe. This version of Krampus is akin to a twisted version of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, stealing Santa's methods to ruin Christmas. But the real myth of Krampus is far darker, because he did not come to ruin or subvert Christmas celebrations. Rather, he is an integral part of Christmas celebrations. The first week of December, the night of the 5th, an Austrian family crouches in their home, waiting for a very special arrival. The arrival of St. Nicholas and his parade of followers. These will include a figure that terrifies the children, Krampus. For in Austria, this night, the eve of St. Nicholas, goes by a different name. It is called Krampusnacht. And for many children, it is a night of awe, dread, and sometimes excitement. During a house visit on Krampusnacht, St. Nicholas comes first, dressed in the traditional bishop's hat and white robe. He is joined by a number of assistants who he introduces in rhyme. A translated version of this greeting goes, God's greetings all within this house. I'm friend to all, St. Nicholas. Have no fear, just look at me. No wild stranger here, you see. My coming marks the year's near end. This forest man my basket tends. Deeds good and bad we must review. With ringing bells comes Krampus, too. What brings him joy brings terror to you. His assistants gather beside him. A basket carrier, a few dressed as angels, and one less friendly figure who lurks outside the entrance. He is not permitted to enter just yet. St. Nicholas opens a book to review the child's good and bad deeds of the year. It is then that the Krampus comes into view. All eyes fall on the child. The expectation is clear. They must give a performance to appease the saint and demon that have visited them a song, a poem, or piece of scripture that they've been practicing for weeks. This recital does not always go as planned. The sight of Krampus causes many children to freeze up mid-performance, terrified of the masked monster standing behind St. Nicholas. Krampus's very presence reminds children of the myth they have been told all their lives, that if they are not good, they will be beaten with birch sticks. In some versions of the myth, he will even throw you into his sack and take you away to be eaten or thrown into hell. This is one of the most common practices Krampus is associated with, a house visit with St. Nicholas. Krampus is the devil on St. Nicholas's shoulder, reminding children of the consequences of their actions, a reminder that the danger of sin is never far away, even for those who behave themselves. The other tradition that is integral to Krampus is the Krampuslauf, or Krampus Run. 
Later in the story, we will explore this concept in greater detail. But first, we have some common errors about this creature to correct. Perhaps the most common misconception about Krampus is its origins. Many modern purveyors of the Krampus story say it is a myth from Germany, when in fact Krampus likely predates Germany as a country. The earliest account of Krampus-like myths come from the Germanic tribes in Austria and Bavaria. What we know as Krampus is one version of a pagan myth that has been warped and changed by Christianity's influence on early German tribes through the Kingdom of the Franks and later the Holy Roman Empire. Determining which parts of the creature are pagan and which are Christian is a difficult task, to say the least. That's thanks in part to the fact that, as with many creatures in folklore, there are few written accounts of Krampus's history. But many of the cultural traditions that surround it imply pre-Christian origins. The simplest of these being its name. The word Krampus is derived from the Old High German Krampf, which in some translations seems to mean bent or twisted. This root word appears in the modern German terms for claw, krampfo, bent backwards, wiederkrampf, and is also used to mean convulsion. Some scholars also suggest that Krampus is derived from a Bavarian word, krampen, referring to something shriveled, dead, or dried out. The name overall evokes horror, death, decay, and in Old High German, almost literally means twisted. Linguists generally agree that Old High German was largely in use between 750 and 1100 CE. This means that Krampus has likely been around for at least 1300 years. And under a different name, he could have been around for far longer. He is far from the only ancient monster associated with the winter months. Krampus himself is a relic of an entirely different attitude towards the holidays than we usually see nowadays. Though we're taught that December is a time for warmth, family, friendship, and re-watching a Charlie Brown Christmas, the cultural tradition in the Germanic Alps is far different. The folklore of these areas was very much a product of the environment, and the creatures locals claimed wandered the Alps in December were as harsh and unforgiving as the cold winter nights. Ghosts, goblins, witches, and werewolves have been popular December myths in the Alpine regions for hundreds of years. But few of these traditions are as old as the Perkton. A predecessor and perhaps earlier iteration of Krampus, Frau Perchte is an ugly witch said to wander about towns, rewarding and punishing children depending on their merit. Although first explicitly referenced by historical texts in 1200 CE, she is believed to be a relic of earlier Celtic or Germanic paganism that was warped into a hag by centuries of early Christian influence. Many of her behaviors would later be seen in Krampus stories, namely her punitive nature. Frau Perchte is frequently associated with retribution for failing household duties. It is said that if she finds any unspun flax around the house by the 12th day of Christmas, she cuts, tangles, and ruins it. In Jacob Grimm's Deutsch mythology, 
She even burns the hands of the person responsible. And according to Austrian mythology scholar Lata Matz, she is known to defecate on unspun flax. About 200 years after the first recorded mention of Frau Perta, around 1468 CE, she was joined by a retinue of similar spirits called the Perten. These creatures, assumed to be spirits of the departed, are still celebrated in modern Germany. These spirits are not necessarily evil and come in two varieties. Schönperchten, the beautiful good Perchten, and Schirchpercht, the ugly evil Perchten. To an outsider, the ghoulish masks of the Schirchpercht are indistinguishable from the Krampus. These costumes are an almost perfect example of what Krampus was like before Christian influence turned him into St. Nicholas's stooge. This connection is more than just speculation. In fact, in many Germanic communities, the traditions of the Perchten and Krampus are treated as one and the same. After all, both involve elaborate handmade masks and raucous parading throughout their respective towns. But whether Krampus or Perchten, a strong current of horror still runs through these festivities. The ghoulish and menacing creatures parading through Alpine communities have been a cause for social outrage and concern since written history began. Krampus's menacing presence grew so prevalent that powerful individuals began to take notice. Almost from the beginning, Krampus earned a number of real-world enemies, people and institutions who did not want to see the holidays become a season of pagan retribution and fear. Up next, we'll discuss how Krampus has become a divisive figure in the celebration of Christmas and the beloved practices that make this demon stick around. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Originating in Austria and Bavaria, the figure of Krampus has been around for centuries. While written evidence of his presence before 1800 is hard to come by, the practice of Krampus celebrations hint at an old tradition that has evolved since before Christian influence. The first Christian missionaries to Germanic lands were in the second century CE, but it was not until the early 1000s when the Holy Roman Empire seized much of Central Europe that the influence of Christianity really took hold. Even then, while some of the pagan beliefs were squashed, others found ways to stick around. Like we've discussed with Saturnalia, the idea of the dominant religion co-opting local traditions is nothing new. But the integration of European pagan traditions into Christmas in Europe provided an interesting new element to the kindly St. Nicholas. It added the Dark Companions. They go by many different names and faces. 
Some states have Knecht Ruprecht, or Servant Rupert, a hooded figure who carries a bag of ashes to hit children with, leaving a mark to show that they had behaved badly. The Netherlands have Black Peter, an assistant to St. Nicholas, who has grown controversial overseas due to his similarity to a minstrel caricature and his link to the use of blackface. Krampus is another of these dark companions and the most menacing. He was also one of the first to invite controversy. Early on, Krampus became a figure of hot debate due to his pagan roots and his increasingly frightening appearance. Many of the classic Krampus masks, or larvin, bear almost no resemblance to the demonic creature Krampus is supposed to be today. They vary from person to person, but often include large curling ram's horns and wicked, exaggerated features. When Krampus went from his own independent creature to St. Nicholas's assistant, however, something changed. He was given more satanic features. Chains were strung across his body and a large red tongue protruded from his face. These features were likely meant to evoke the medieval image of Lucifer. Krampus's already frightening appearance was given a new meaning by these subtle changes. He went from a playful imp to an embodiment of evil itself, kept on a leash by St. Nicholas. It was a way of demonizing the old ways and holding up the saint as a beacon of light in the months that were once dark and unforgiving. However, absorbing Krampus into the less pagan holidays of Advent and Christmas seemed to backfire somewhat during the days of the Holy Roman Empire. According to some sources, in the 12th century, the Catholic Church allegedly tried to have Krampus banned altogether. No written records exist about why this first ban happened, but it would make sense that the church wouldn't like to endorse a holiday where their followers literally dress up as Satan. In the end, this ban was unsuccessful, perhaps due to the relative isolation of the Alpine communities where Krampus-esque festivities were most popular. In spite of the church's best efforts, the creature survived long enough to spread beyond Austria and Bavaria in the late 1800s, largely thanks to postcards. In 1867, Austria's postal system began to circulate this new form of mail. And around 20 years later, Krampus started to show up on Austrian holiday cards. These Krampuskarten are some of the first artistic depictions of Krampus and were instrumental in spreading awareness of the creature beyond the Alps. Almost all of the modern depictions of Krampus as a goat-like man beating children with birch sticks are influenced by the images on these cards. This is where Krampus became more than just a localized figure and started to grow into an icon. This is also where the practice of taking Krampus out of context began. As the tradition of sending Krampus cards continued, many of them adopted a lewd aspect, with Krampus used as a holiday analog to the sexually ravenous satyrs in Greek mythology, likely thanks to his goat-like physique. In much of this artwork, he became a stand-in for the types of holiday celebrations not usually printed on cards, 
such as getting drunk and going on sexual adventures. Krampus's role as an avatar of raucous holiday celebration would not go unnoticed, even after the major pushes for censorship from the Catholic Church subsided. Other groups were quick to take up the torch of repression only a few decades after the Krampus carton had begun to cement the image of Krampus in popular imagination. After the 1932 election in Austria, the fascist Dollfuss regime began to crack down on Krampus' performances, making the very practice a punishable offense. This was due to a consensus that Krampus was becoming, by many accounts, more popular than St. Nicholas. A New York Times article on December 23rd of that year underlines this claim, saying, Nowadays, the bishop takes a back seat, and all Vienna shop windows are aflame with the grinning red and black Krampus on postcards, chocolate boxes, modeled in biscuits or elaborate hors d'oeuvres, and Krampus balls are the first sign of Christmas jollification. At the time this article was written, Austria's conservative Christian Social Party saw Krampus as a symbol of moral degeneracy, having replaced the image of St. Nicholas as a Christmas icon. Despite the name of their party, this was not the equivalent of a religious fringe movement protesting a Hallmark movie. The Christian Social Party had the support of the fascist government to back them up. According to the Times, the prefect of Lienz, the capital of East Tyrol, has forbidden anyone to visit Krampus dances. Anyone who wishes to play the role of Santa Claus in family parties has to apply for a license from the mayor. The police have been given orders to see that Santa Claus, duly licensed, behaves himself properly and to arrest the devil at sight. Krampus, who is referred to in this Times article as the genial black and red devil, had become a fugitive from the Austrian law. This censoring of Krampus persisted even after the dissolution of the Dollfuss regime and through Austria's annexation by Nazi Germany. In the mid-1950s, the Austrian government are said to have continually distributed pamphlets saying, Krampus is an evil man. These reports form part of a continuing pattern throughout the history of Krampus. Powerful institutions attempted to control and tame Krampus's popularity, and in spite of their best efforts, Krampus continued to be one of the most celebrated parts of the winter holidays. But even after the influence of fascists and the church dwindled, Krampus was not without controversy. The main event Krampus is associated with is the Krampuslauf, or Krampus Run. It is a form of a fairly disorganized parade where hundreds of Krampus performers take to the streets in droves, accompanied by various St. Nicholases. While it is a beloved tradition, the chaos often leaves many bystanders more than a little disturbed. In a 1975 outing to Erdning, a small town in southeast Austria, anthropologist John J. Honigmann noted a number of misbehaving Krampus actors using their anonymity to terrorize rather than delight their neighbors. Honigmann wrote, Krampus masqueraders, perhaps emboldened by alcoholic beverages, roam and annoy people, especially women. 
A story was told to me of a young woman who had been badly shocked by a Krampus. The woman retained an almost phobic fear of going out after dark before St. Nicholas Eve, lest she encounter bands of Krampus masqueraders. Fear of Krampus is not uncommon and even has its own word now, Krampusangst. While the actual scale of this phobia among children and young adults is not known, one thing is certain. If you fear Krampus, it is very hard to hide from that fear in the first week of December. During Krampus season, one might observe that performers behave much like the actors in haunted house attractions do in America, seeking out the most vulnerable in the crowd to menace. This, combined with the largely male composition of the Krampus troops, leads to a number of people sharing the feelings of the unnamed woman whose experience Honigman was told about. Discomfort is not uncommon among Krampus performers themselves as well. The limited visibility of the Krampus masks has occasionally led to collisions with drunken passers-by. Sometimes the performers themselves are drunk on schnapps, a drink commonly associated with the character of Krampus. And on occasion, Krampus costumes have been known to accidentally light on fire in the chaos of any given performance. After all, torches and pyrotechnics are common in and around Krampusnacht. The organization level of a Krampus celebration, or Krampus run, can vary significantly between locations. But most Krampus performers are part of organized troops of Krampuses. In some cases, a sort of playful brawl known as a rempler will break out between multiple troops of Krampuses, each led by their own St. Nicholas. While mostly harmless, these shoving matches can occasionally get out of hand, as is always the case when two inebriated performers in horn costumes go head to head. The tradition is to end the rempler amicably. On parting, the participants say to each other, Aguetz Weitergehen, which means good luck and go forward. An alternate farewell is the declaration of Treu dem guten alten Brauch, which means true to the good old ways. In his 2012 book on folklore, author Maurice Bruce remarks of Krampus, Though he is officially the servant of Nicholas, the Krampus does as he likes and always succeeds in stealing the show. Krampus was always positioned as the inferior to his Christian master, but in his homeland, always remains more popular. Even after Germany was rocked by two world wars, the tradition of Krampus celebrations persisted. Now you can witness a Krampus spectacle a theatrical circus-like performance featuring a cast in traditional Krampus masks. Where many pagan traditions have fallen out of favor, as with Black Peter's contemporary reevaluation, Krampus has only flourished. In a sense, Krampus continually transcends his role as an avatar of holiday fear, and instead represents the devilish delight one can take during the holidays. But it was in the early 2000s that Krampus really took off and became a global sensation, leaving the original traditions in the dust. We'll discuss the post-2000s boom in Krampus popularity 
after this. Now back to the story. The character of Krampus has been around for centuries. As Christianity took over Europe and buried many pagan traditions, Krampus's role as servant to St. Nicholas prevented him from falling into obscurity. The creature was able to survive multiple attempts at censorship from the church and fascist governments over the years. And by the time the 20th century rolled around, Krampus has been codified into a myth with a relatively unified set of characteristics. Despite this, it took surprisingly long to cross overseas. He was well-known, but mostly in Germany, Austria, and adjacent countries, a uniquely Germanic tradition. And then, the early 2000s rolled in. In 2004, a man named Monty Beecham published a book of Krampus cards in the United States. Shortly after this book was published, he was approached by an art gallery owner in Santa Monica and put together a show inspired by the artwork featured in the Krampus carton. It's not known whether Beecham inspired the wave of Krampus popularity in North America, but he was undeniably one of the first people to bring the imagery to the United States of America. To quote writer Christopher Bickle, it's been theorized that the Krampus lore was brought over to the U.S. by German-speaking immigrants, but never took hold on American shores due to anti-German sentiment over the First and Second World Wars, but that Santa Claus did catch on because he made a great mascot for the Coca-Cola company. Author Al Reidenauer attributed Krampus's 2000s resurgence to a feeling of rebellion, saying, When images of Krampus began circulating in the 2000s, that really set fire to it all. Those of us who grew up in the punk milieu recognized the Krampus as the new savior of Christmas. We'd grown up chafing against this ideal of Christmas, a sentimental domestic idol of family values and childhood wonder. And here we had this shocking figure who celebrated the holiday by beating children. The first Americanized versions of Krampusnacht were in December of 2010 in Columbia, South Carolina, and Portland, Oregon. By the early 2010s, Krampus was popping up everywhere in American popular culture. In 2009, Krampus made an appearance on The Colbert Report, and in the following years was featured on a number of American television series, culminating in the 2015 film that bears his name. As Krampus's public image grew in popularity, so did the amount of Krampusnacht across the United States. Over 30 were recorded taking place in 2014, just a year before the feature film would increase Krampus's profile even further. But this newfound popularity was not without a cost. The American version of Krampus was quite different from the Germanic one. It even had a new backstory depicting Krampus as the son of Hel, the Norse goddess of the underworld. This bit of lore was treated by National Geographic and the Smithsonian Magazine as if it were part of the Krampus myth all along. In truth, this backstory was a creation of author Gerald Brom from his book Krampus, the Yule Lord. The Krampus, as many Americans know him today, bears only a surface-level resemblance to the ancient monster that delighted and horrified Germanic people for generations. 
NBC's Grimm depicts Krampus as a demon who wears a red and white coat just like most depictions of Santa Claus. In this, he abducts children throughout December to eat them on the winter solstice. This version hews close to many aspects of the Krampus myth, but fails to depict his connection to St. Nicholas in favor of casting him as an evil Santa. In the 2015 Krampus film, we see the most elaborate version of this evil Santa. He is a hulking monster wearing a hood and mask over his face, so we never quite get to see what he really looks like. He comes with a host of minions, many of which bear a passing resemblance to the Perkten, or Krampus, performers. But the film does not explore the similarity in any meaningful way, instead calling the minions elves. To some traditionalists, it looks as if Krampus has sold out, a pale imitation of the folkloric monster that's no different from any number of evil Santa Claus movies. In a sense, the master and servant have melded into a single figure. The modern idea of Christmas visits is now one of extremes. A visit from a holiday spirit is all good or all evil, only St. Nicholas or only Krampus. If you behaved well, you'll not even have to think about what could have happened. And if you behave badly, you'll never catch a glimpse of a jolly saint. In a way, the story of Krampus is part of an ever-changing cycle of holiday characters. Just like how St. Nicholas transformed from a Catholic bishop to a jolly old elf. One day, Krampus is a handful of demons living in the mountains. The next, he's an evil version of Santa Claus. But just like the Perchten and the unknown holiday ghouls that preceded him, Krampus's legacy may be more important than strict adherence to his traditions. For the Americanized versions of Krampus do show that this holiday demon is far from irrelevant even all these centuries later. So what is it about this yuletide monster that fascinates us so? Why is it that Krampus made the journey across the Atlantic and not Servant Rupert or Frau Perta? It may have something to do with Krampus's history. Reidenauer's comparison of Krampus to a punk figure is fairly apt. Unlike the other pagan characters, Krampus has found a way to remain close to the Christmas tradition, even when the darker elements of Christmas were being stripped away. That common phrase from Krampus performers... True to the good old ways seems emblematic of why Krampus sticks around. We may have next to no evidence to definitively tell us how old the character is, but in a sense, that doesn't matter. What matters is that he feels like a relic of an old tradition, telling us that the holidays are far darker than Hallmark cards would have us believe. And it is undeniable that people love a healthy dose of horror in with their Yuletide festivities. Krampusnacht may be weeks in the past, but remember Krampus as you sit down with your family this Christmas. He may still be roaming the cold December nights, looking for children who think they've gotten away from their just punishment. This Christmas, maybe leave a little schnapps beside the milk and cookies. Krampus will thank you for it.
Thanks for listening to The Dark Side Of. For more information on Krampus, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas Roots and Rebirth of the Folkloric Devil by Al Reidenauer extremely helpful to our research. Next week, we'll continue The Dark Side of Holidays with the story of a New Year's Eve catastrophe. January 1st, 2000. Y2K. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like The Dark Side Of for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream The Dark Side Of on Spotify, just open the app and type The Dark Side Of in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. And from all of us at ParCast, Merry Christmas. The Dark Side Of was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Paul Mahler. This episode of The Dark Side Of was written by Robert Teamstra with writing assistance by Drew Cole and stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner. <laughs> <laughs>